welcome to episode 18 of the Live Motocross podcast. I'm Sophie McGinn, your host, and today we're going to be having a chat to um, Pico Factory Racing owners, Dylan and Anna, um, just having a chat about the business, what they do with the race team, um, and something a little bit different and behind the scenes for you guys. Enjoy. Um, so Dylan and Anna from Apico Factory Racing, thank you so much for joining us on this week's podcast. Um, I wanted to get you guys on really because I think there's a great story behind Apico and not a lot of people really know it that well. Oh, that's very true, Sophie, and hello and welcome. <laughs> welcome to Apico HQ. I know it's, it's the thing to it's, have you. This is the first podcast in, I say, the lockdown series that I've actually sat opposite someone. So we've done yeah. 17 episodes, I think, so far through a laptop. So it's actually quite nice to sit and have a chat with someone face to face for a change. We are still social distancing, though. Of people, course. Just, Absolutely. <laughs> I've permanently got my face covering on, so we will be okay <laughs> from that angle. This is it. So um, tell us then a little bit about Apico's history and how it all came about. Oh, it's quite old now, this company. <laughs> it was founded in uh, 1984 by Uriah Vesterinen and his wife, Diane. Mm-hmm. Uriah is a three times world trials champion uh-huh. uh, who met his wife, Diane, moved to the UK. He was still riding, but when he came to the end of his career, he was thinking, well, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. He probably realised... Bless him. Well. He was unemployed. <laughs> unemployable. <laughs> Self-confessed that he was unemployable at the time after such a a long um, a long trials career that he had. Mm. Not only did he win three world titles, but he mm-hmm. won multiple Scandinavian championships, mm-hmm. um, Scottish six-day trial, which is the hardest trial in the world. So mm-hmm. very, very successful at the riding career that he had. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, self-confessed when he hung up his boots one day, he realised that he was unemployable. Mm. So he needed to do something. Um, with him having a lot of contacts in, um, in particular in Finland at the time, mm-hmm. uh, clothing manufacturing was heavily involved in Scandinavia. Um, and as a rider himself, you know, he he was sponsored by various people over the years, uh, and probably not always 100% happy with the equipment that he had mm-hmm. and fine-tuned and changed things up and introduced new materials and came out with the Apico Trials gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's pretty much how the Apico brand uh, started, was was a clothing, clothing brand. Mm. And also, I know if you could probably see where we're sat in the boardroom now, you've obviously mm. got the very first set of a Pico kit up on the wall. Yeah, we've got a few bits and pieces uh, of nostalgia hung up on the wall. <laughs> and for both myself and Anna, it's just a quick flashback, really, just to yeah. where it did all start and where we've ended up as of today, really. So how, how did you guys come about, obviously, taking over the business? And when <laughs> did you actually sit down and go, this is what we're going to do? Well, well, now he... he... He sprung a bit of a surprise on us there, Vesti, to be perfectly honest. You <laughs> sure did. Um, they were nearing a time when they wanted to retire. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have two children, mm-hmm. both very successful in their own rights, mm-hmm. but not really any interest in taking over the business. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I was sat with Vesti in his truck going down to the dirt bike show. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he goes, so, Anna, have you thought that you and Dylan could actually own a Pico one day? <laughs> I just looked at him and I started laughing. No. <laughs> what are you talking about? And, uh, well, it turns out that he was serious. <laughs> he was very serious, yeah. Uh, I, I remember only probably a couple of hours later, mm-hmm. uh, I bumped into Vesti at the dirt bike show at Stormley Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he came and pretty much asked me the same question mm-hmm. uh, as, as he'd asked Anna a, a couple of hours before. And I, my reaction was the same. <laughs> you know, I thought he was going crazy. Or, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and, and, and that's where it started, mm-hmm. really. We opened up some discussions. And yeah, you could say the rest is history. Yeah, and literally. And that, you know, for, for for both myself and Anna, that's you know pretty much seven years ago now mm-hmm. uh, since we since we bought the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, prior to that, for those people that don't know, mm-hmm. um, Anna was the purchasing manager, mm-hmm. uh, employed by the company as the purchasing manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was employed uh, also uh, as a product development. So. Mm-hmm developing a lot of the Apico hard parts, etc. Mm-hmm. But I was also responsible for the sales side of things. So I guess for Vesti and Diane, it was quite unique in the sense that Anna used to purchase the products mm-hmm. and I would sell them. Mm-hmm. So for both of us to be, you know, in partnership yeah. in the business, um, sorry, outside of the business, you know, when we came to work, Anna would buy it and I would sell it. I had the best job in the world. Well, yeah. Some might say you still do, but yeah, but I got to spend someone else's money. You were spending somebody else's money back then, yeah. No, it was it was pretty unique, really. Oh gosh, yeah. so obviously you've got a bit of a background in racing, anyway. Mm. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, my father was a motorcycle fanatic, mm-hmm. um, and when I was a very very young boy, mm-hmm. he took me to the Isle of Man. Mm-hmm for the TT races. Mm-hmm. I sat on the back of his motorcycle and, and off we went to, I think it was Liverpool for the ferry crossing. Um, went over to the Isle of Man and spent two weeks there, sat yeah. on the back of my dad's bike. Um, and we went there um, year after year for, for, for a number of years. Um, but I where, I, where I was living at the time, there was a, a local friend of mine who was riding and racing in the schoolboy motocross scene. Mm-hmm. But my parents, um, probably more my mother than my father uh, didn't want me to get into the racing scene uh, perhaps I didn't want to see him get hurt mm-hmm. or uh, that sort of thing so I never really got into schoolboy motocross but I followed it mm-hmm. you know I was there week in week out mm-hmm. um, and then my dad then after pestering and pestering and pestering him he actually took me to Hawkstone Park yeah uh, for a Grand Prix yeah and back then it used to alternate each year between Hawkstone and Farley mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously Hawkstone was the closest for us so so we used to go there pretty religiously uh, and I just fell in love with the sport mm. fell in love with the sport but uh, like I say you know as a schoolboy uh, for various reasons it never really happened to me mm-hmm. uh, until one day where I could afford to do it myself mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I did uh, you know and I got to know uh, you know a bunch of great people within the industry uh, racing um, and you know and thoroughly enjoyed it mm-hmm. um, so much so my career at the time that I, or the career path that I'd chosen at the time, 
I decided to walk away from it mm. um, purely and simply because I was offered a sales position mm-hmm. in a, a Honda dealership. Mm-hmm. So I went to work there for a couple of years, thoroughly enjoyed that, continued racing, and then um, the opportunity came up to come and work for a Pico. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I chose to do because it was an, an ideal job for somebody who was so passionate about motocross in particular. Yeah. And what about you, Anna? What was your background of, of well, the motocross world, I should say? Well, um, I actually started working in the industry all the way, giving up my age now, <laughs> in 94. Uh, mm-hmm. I worked for four times world motocross champion Torsten Hallman, mm-hmm. uh, founder of Thor Motorcycle Gear. So mm-hmm. there's probably not a lot of people know either that that actually stands for Torsten Hallman Original Racing. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. Or Racewear. Um, yeah, so he was the founder of the Thor brand. Oh, right. Uh, I worked for him and Scott Svenska, which was the company name for 11 years. Mm-hmm. I've always, always, always been involved in sports. My dad has always worked with sports admin. I'm mm-hmm. a football nut. Um, played all sorts of different sports myself, but motorsport has never been my thing yeah until through a friend i got a chance to get an interview to start working for uh-huh. for Torsten. jumped at a chance because to me it's just oh it's sports it'll be fine <laughs> how hard can it be um yeah so i worked there for 11 years and then through through work we met through back yeah <laughs> by chance <laughs> and yeah uh, really is by chance that the fact that Anna and I met the way that we did mm. um, ultimately has led us down this this route of yeah. eventually becoming the owners of the business. Yeah, um, you know, and it's quite a quite a unique story in itself. And uh, working for a Pico, I got this chance, and when I say a chance, it really was a chance because a colleague of mine was supposed to be going on the same on this particular trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he fell ill, um, couldn't go, and Vesti sort of said to me, well, listen, you know, the, the flights are paid for, mm-hmm. they're booked and paid for, accommodation sorted, go and mm-hmm. get your passport, you know, you, you're leaving tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did, packed a bag, got the passport, got on the plane, um, and we were going to the Cine Salo clothing distributors meeting, uh, which was in the, uh, not too far from um, Rovermany in- Rovaniemi in, in Northern Finland. Finland. Yeah, Northern Finland. <laughs> but to be able to get there, we had to have a connecting flight. So we flew from, well, I flew from Manchester to Helsinki mm-hmm. to get a connecting flight up to Rovermany. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we were sat in the airport drinking a coffee, wasting a little bit of time before we had to get on the next flight, mm-hmm. in walks a bunch of people, um, and I instantly thought, "Oh, the Americans are here!" Yeah, <laughs> all kitted out in Scott hoodies. They all had and- <laughs> the Scott hoodies on, and and you know, I was listening, and I thought, "Yeah, definitely, the Americans are here," mm. and. They started chatting with a few other people and figured out quite quickly that 
everybody's getting on the same connecting flight and we're all going to the same meeting. Mm -hmm. And Anna, being Anna and as polite <laughs> as she is, you know, came to introduce herself yeah. to me because, uh, you know, she'd been on these trips before, but uh -huh. for me it was the first one. Uh, and my instant reaction, and I know you don't mind me saying this, darling, is that <laughs> this girl's going to be a real pain in the rear <laughs> for the next three or four days that we're in Finland on a distributors meeting. And we, well, I don't know about Anna, but we didn't really see eye to eye from, from the really? word go. No, no, we didn't. <laughs> uh, but then, you know. Over, Purely one-sided, I don't know. Well, yeah, well. Maybe it is one side, I don't know. But yeah, that was my you know, initial reaction. Was this it must one. have been the ugly Smith goggles you lent me. Yeah, it could have been. Um, so yeah, that was my first reaction when I, when I first saw Anna. It was, uh, she's going to be a pain in the rear. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it turns out that she wasn't. And mm -hmm. let's just say we had a great few days at the distributor conference. And we kept in touch from there. Indeed. Yeah, we did. We kept in touch from there. and. Mm. We bumped into each other a couple of times over the next year. Mm -hmm. um, and then we both plucked up the courage to meet each other in London. Yep. For a nice weekend. <laughs> um, and yeah, the rest is history, really. Yeah, Vesti got wind of this and uh, rang and offered me a job. <laughs> yeah. Is that how it came about? Yeah, it yeah. really did. We met at, uh, I think it was Cologne or Milan for a an international show yeah and we went out for dinner one night and obviously with the scandinavian connection between sweden and finland these uh -huh. these two hit it off straight away yeah um a lot in common yeah yeah we say, with the with the scandinavian background mm -hmm. uh and then yeah he did he yeah two weeks later he rang and says hmm, i don't suppose you want a job do you <laughs> yeah that's crazy and that's literally how we met um so the fact that one of my colleagues was ill on this particular yeah. few days. Well, you if know, that's not fate, I don't know what is. You know, he knows who he is, um, <laughs> you know, and we spoke about it before. And so, Mr. Braybrook, thank you very much. I owe you one. <laughs> Takes all the credit for that, does he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so heading on to further down the line in the business, um, obviously you've got the team. We do. How did that? come about or is that something that Vesti always did or no not at all um you know over the years mm. the company we have sponsored a lot of individual riders not mm -hmm. just in motocross but in trials mm -hmm. in particular because of Vesti's background a lot in the enduro side as well um but we've never had our own team mm -hmm. uh, we've always heavily supported other teams uh, like I say riders as well but mm -hmm. again how the Apico Husqvarna team came about again sort of you know we laugh and joke about how Anna and I met and <laughs> you know where that led us to but I suppose in similar circumstances Apico Osbavana was born mm. in quite unusual circumstances mm -hmm. um, and it all, ha all happened at the International Dirt Bike Show at Stormwood uh, Anna and I took over the business in May, May of 2014 mm -hmm. And then the dirt bike show was only a few months later, mm -hmm. end of October, early November. So as new company owners, uh, you know, we, we had to get through an awful lot very, very quickly on the lead up to the show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every year you're always talking to people, negotiating for the following year and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And 
Stuart Summers uh, approached me at the show, uh, along with Stephen Clark. Mm. And we sat in the cafeteria area, and Stuart put a proposal in front of in front of us. Um, and I pretty much straight away said yes, just as easy as that. Mm. You know, with what he said, with their their attitude and their approach, mm-hmm. I said, yeah, okay. You know, we can do a deal. Let's talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and off I went back to our display area. Yeah. And we continued with the rest of the show. So we put a deal together for 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was uh, Stephen uh, on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, we were the pretty much the title sponsor uh, of the Clarks and the Summers uh, team, uh, and w- we just rolled out 2015 and uh, you know had a pretty decent year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for 2016, um, Richard Clark Stevens' father and Stuart Summers came to us again and said, you know. Are you happy with everything that's been done? Mm-hmm. You know, would you like to continue for the following year? Uh, and straight away we said, yeah. And these, what? But what they did was they brought in Brian McKenzie oh, in yeah. 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, we went hard. Uh, you know, we went in a lot harder with our support yeah. for the team. You know, we invested a lot more into the team um, for Brian and for for Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to every, pretty much every single race with them. We were leading the British Championship. We were going into the final round, mm-hmm. and then we had a DNF <laughs> in in the in the first race of the day, oh, gosh. Uh, which then swung the favour back into Adam Sterry's corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Stephen, well, Stuart was very, very disappointed, angry within himself, but mm. it was not. It was, not Stuart's, uh, it was mm. not Stuart's fault. It's just one of those mechanicals. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stephen said, don't worry about it. I'll go out and I'm going to smoke, I'll smoke the, <laughs> the next race, which is what he did. Mm-hmm. He went out there and, um, you know, smoked them all and won, won the second race. But unfortunately, we lost the British Championship. Yeah. Uh, and it was as harsh as that. Mm. And well, we had a second and we had a third. The positive to come out of it was Stephen finished second overall. Yep. Brian McKenzie finished third overall. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me is still just an absolutely remarkable result for a small privateer team. Mm. Uh, the sad part about it at the end of the year was that we already knew that Brian was going to retire from professional racing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've actually in the building here in, in you know in our office we actually still have Brian's last professional uh, mm. Husqvarna uh, wow. on, on display here um, you know which we're very very proud of mm. but we knew that Brian was retiring and then Stephen dropped a quite a big bombshell on us and decided he was going to go and further his career in the States mm-hmm. uh, which is what he did yeah so for us we went from a massive high to a massive low mm-hmm. and then quickly realized we have a team, but we have no riders. Yeah, it's almost starting from scratch again, isn't it? it? Was, with that sort of thing. Yeah, it came as such a, uh, a sideswipe for us that yeah. you know we had everything, and then all of a sudden we had nothing. Yeah, well, I don't even think we had an even an inkling about we had no continuing. No, no, yeah. After that, no, no. we thought, all oh, right, well, we just maybe assumed a little bit too much, but you know, fair play to Stephen. It's what he's always wanted to do. Mm. He did it, you know, he had some successes out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still very, 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 very good friends with the Clark yeah. family. You know, Stephen's great, his dad, uh, you know, and, and, and the mum. 
and uh, you know we still get on today. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll say we didn't even have an inkling after that as to, well, we didn't even have a plan as to, no. well, going we, forward with it. No, are we going forward with it or yeah. was that yeah. sort of it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It all fell into place again. Yeah, it did. You know, (laughs) um, running a business in itself takes up an awful lot of time. So Mm. to be running a a team as well as that's almost like a business in itself, isn't it? It very much is. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people maybe just understand and appreciate what goes on behind Mm. the scenes. Mm -hmm. You know, to to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, we had two choices really. Mm -hmm. We either said. Okay, you know we've we've given it a go and and that's it, and we mm-hmm. walk away from the British Championship paddock, mm-hmm. uh, or we try and carry on in some way. Yeah. Um, and I guess you know fate again. Uh, we were at Western Beach Race. Mm-hmm. I had a brief conversation with Matt Burrows's father, Sean. Yeah. From SB Windows, um, because we'd we'd been supporting Matt on more of a satellite basis mm-hmm. during the previous year, and Sean sort of gave us a little bit of an olive branch mm. and said, you know, if you want it to continue, maybe we can do it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we did. Yeah. So it took a lot of pressure off me um, and Anna as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean and the Burroughs family, um, you know, stepped in and helped us. Mm-hmm. And that was the bit that was cool because it kept it alive. Mm. It kept it alive. Um, and then very quickly after that, Husqvarna approached us um, and asked us if we would be interested in bringing Christian Watley into the team because at that time Christian I think was in between yeah uh, in between you know maybe teams and and various bits and pieces so yeah we jumped at it mm-hmm. uh, we got you know tremendous support from Husqvarna uh, Husqvarna UK to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we were thrown another curveball very, very early on because Christian, unfortunately, had a pretty bad injury yeah. um, uh, f- uh, from an accident that he had at, at Canada Heights and, and that pretty much ruled him out for the year. Mm. So talking about going from highs to lows to highs <laughs> to lows, everything seemed to just was thrown at us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, you know, we had to ride out that year. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, we needed to figure out what what we needed to do to kick on again. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stuart mm-hmm. Edmonds was in a uh, was in a position where, with the support that he gets from Gavin yeah. at CCM Racing uh, in Dublin, mm-hmm. uh, we, we we pulled that together. And you know, a good friend of ours again, someone that we've supported for numerous years now one way or another, Jamie Law. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jamie came on board and then we had Matt and we've been grinding away ever since, uh, you know, with these three riders. Mm. So I know you guys are very sort of hands-on um, with the team. You know, I don't think there's many <laughs> team owners that you'll see who are washing bikes for one, putting yeah. awnings up on the yeah. weekends. Yeah. Um, would you have it any other way? Do you like being so like stuck in and hands on with stuff? Well, Dylan, Let Anna answer that one. <laughs> the, the simple answer to that is that no one else can do it right. So oh, no, Dylan has on. to get him on. Come on. It's not quite as bad as that. Mm, no, cool. listen, you know, all right, you're all joking aside, you know, I have high standards mm. um, and I want to do things right. Mm-hmm. 
and if that means that I've got to get my hands dirty to mm -hmm. be able to do that, then I'll do it. Yeah, because uh, obviously simple. you've been prepping all the lads' bikes and stuff as well. Like a lot of people don't even see that. No, they don't. You know, and in particular this year with COVID, you know, we wouldn't have wished this period on anybody mm. around the world, mm. uh, and it's been so difficult for a lot of people. Mm. Um, you know, and it's been tough. It's been tough for us as well. We've mm. been trying to keep the business going during this difficult time mm -hmm. but also trying to keep a team going as well yeah keep uh, everyone motivated and keep you know keeping people motivated and mm. all the equipment there you know ready so when the federation say we are going racing we're, we're you know we're mm -hmm. ready to go racing and obviously um this past week we have lost the british championship for this year unfortunately yeah um but you guys did something pretty amazing this week with the mx nationals didn't you well, yeah, you could say that. I mean, we didn't. We did it for we one reason, it. one reason yeah. only, and that is we wanted to contribute mm -hmm. um, to keep or to help yeah. keep a series going. Mm -hmm. um, I saw firsthand with our, you know, with my own eyes at Hawkstone Park what those guys at MX Nationals did. Yep. Uh, I've spoke to Paul Irwin. Uh, directly about it mm -hmm. uh, and I'll say the same here as what I said to Paul you know I take my hat off to to Paul and his team of people yeah. for what they've done um, I don't think enough people perhaps understand what extra precautions they've had to put in place uh, to enable the MX Nationals to to go ahead in the way that it did mm -hmm. um, and you know there was a rider that was seriously injured at Hawkstone Park. Mm -hmm. um, yes, you know, I, Jack Drogan. Mm -hmm. I used to used to. Well, I actually used to race with Jack's father, Paul. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, going back back in the day. So you know, I know the Drogan family, but yeah. putting that to one side, the fact that they had the medical equipment there to do what they had to do for Jack. Yeah. Uh, was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think the circumstances could have been totally different mm -hmm. if those facilities were not there. Mm -hmm. So when you drill down into the nitty gritty of what we did, it was basically just try to help. Yeah. Uh, help the MX Nationals uh, mm -hmm. in you know in, in a small way that we did really, and I just hope that you know people may have seen what we've done mm -hmm. and and try and contribute. Yeah, follow be suit because. Well, the thing is, when you come to a crisis or you just come to things that needs to be done, mm -hmm. to me, there's two types of people. Mm -hmm. Either the ones that sit and say, oh, that looks like a lot of work that someone else has to do. Mm -hmm. Or you get stuck in. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if that's the only decent race series that we're going to have this year, mm -hmm. well, why not Everyone, play your part? Yeah. Yeah. You know, chip in. Mm -hmm. Yeah help them out because obviously they don't get the same revenue this year that they would because there's no mm -hmm. spectators and mm -hmm. with all the extra work and precautions and extra, medical yeah so why not help out mm -hmm. they've taken they've taken a massive risk yeah the mx national boys you know paul and his and his dad neil they've taken a big risk you know it, it takes an awful lot of money time and resources and energy to, mm -hmm. to put uh, a race mate meeting on like they do there um so yeah we just felt that we wanted to contribute to it to mm -hmm. give them some support mm -hmm. uh, and i hope that other people see it for what it is rather than perhaps seeing it as 
the MX Nationals may, might be looking to cover some of the costs, or, mm -hmm. you know, with the, with the GoFundMe. But yeah. it generally isn't. Uh, not in my opinion, well, not in our opinion anyways, that, you know, these series, they need funds to be able to go and mm -hmm. do what they do. And we've just chipped in and tried to help. Well, and to be honest, I weren't too keen before no, we went. No. Yeah. Um, I've probably become a bit of a recluse during this lockdown period. Yeah. But we went and I thought they'd done a really good job. Yeah, and everyone was pretty well behaved, weren't they? Everyone kept their masks on. Yeah. and They did, yeah, you know. It's, it, it was, I wouldn't say it was a tough decision to go, but I think yeah. everybody that were there was maybe a little bit apprehensive yeah. of what to expect when we got there. Mm. But I have to say, you know, we turned up on the gate, the guys there, everything was totally controlled. If your name, if your name's not on the list, you're not coming yeah, in, yeah. you know? So that was very well managed. Um, on site as well, plenty of distance in between all of the vehicles. Mm -hmm. Everybody was respectful with masks. Mm -hmm. Loads of hand sanitization stations. Mm -hmm. Everything was in, under control. You know, if you weren't allowed in the part ferme or you know the holding area or the mechanics, you were not getting in there. Mm -hmm. It was simple. It was so well controlled and organized. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we went away from there feeling really, really comfortable, confident, and safe. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you know, every credit to what they did there, and obviously we've got Landrake coming up yep. in a week's time. Uh, we'll be ready. Mm -hmm. We'll be going there and giving our support again. Oh, awesome stuff. Um, I know, obviously, last year was Western. Yes. If we do end up going ahead with it this year, do you think that's going to be following the same suit as MX Nationals? Or... Because it's going to be, it's going to be different, isn't it? Yeah, I think the whole event will be different mm. to what we've experienced. You know, we've been going for the last five or six years yeah. now, supporting the event and uh, and trying to raise some money for the Great Western Air Ambulance Charity. Mm -hmm. uh, and we love Western. Yeah, we absolutely. It's, it's probably best weekend of the year. It is. Yeah. It really is. You know, we've all had a hard year. We've been all been working and mm -hmm. racing and. But I don't know, we just look forward to going to Western as the final swan song for the year, mm -hmm. having a great weekend, uh, you, you know, meeting new people because there are yeah. so many people go to Western. Yep. Uh, it's a great way to uh, interact with, mm -hmm. you know, with the public. So, but this year, mm, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Because mm. um, what makes Western is all the, the people. masses of spectators and mm. i don't know how we would pull that off mm. yeah i don't know how it's going to work i mean there's enough people there with all the riders and just yeah, see the yeah. whole lineup of mm. thousands of bikes is amazing but i think the spectators kind of mm. make that event and just the boardwalk being full of people mm -hmm. and mingling and having a good time and yeah. on the beach I think the spectators do bring a lot to the atmosphere of the event. Yeah, yeah. they really do. Um, yeah, but you if know, you can pull it off, yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. Any, well, I mean, if anyone can pull it off, it'll be Gareth. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I have spoken to Gareth about it, and mm -hmm. he assures me that it's going to go ahead. Yeah, and you know, I think we've started uh, actually planning content and stuff this morning for it. So really, yeah, fingers crossed it will be going ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Unless Boris doesn't like the idea. But. Well, that's it. If the rules <laughs> change between now and then, you know, who knows? But hopefully they won't and hopefully we can get Western 
yeah. on the beach. That's it. Maybe we should put an entry in this year. For me? Yeah. No, 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 no. I've, got, you... en- I've got enough to do looking after Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> Would you never fancy giving it a go? Uh, I did a couple of beach races many, many years ago. Yeah. Not Western, never ridden Western. Uh, sort of Blackpool, Southport. Mm-hmm. Uh, races like that. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but mm. you, know, you get to my age and... Too now. many aches and pains. Yeah, far, yeah, far <laughs> too many broken bones over the years, aches and pains. And I've got to come to work on a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, we'll let the youngsters do it. I thoroughly enjoyed last year, uh, you know, Stuart's first yeah, Western yeah. for Stuart. Yeah. Uh, the week before he was racing at the Motocross of Nations at Assen, yeah. which was a washout. Good prep for it, I guess. Good prep for it. <laughs> uh, you know, the bike arrived back here just as it had finished the last race yeah. uh, at Assen. His kit bag arrived here just as it had finished Assen. So we literally had two or three days to get his kit Clean cleaned up, up get mm. his bike prepped into mm. beach race mode. And, you know, fair play to him. He, uh, he did well for his very first beach race. He to Western with uh, one small fuel can. Oh, yeah. It was quite <laughs> comical because I'd bought in a, a larger fuel tank for the bike. Yeah, yeah. And Stuart turned up with his normal petrol can as if he was doing a motocross meeting. <laughs> so I'd used this to fill the bike up so the bike was full. Yeah. And then I said to Stuart, okay, right, you need wheels, toolbox, fuel cans down in the uh, mm-hmm. the pit signaling area. He went, right, okay, no problem. Um, and I said, and you might just want to go to the petrol station and get some more fuel. And he went, why have we not got enough? I said, no, all the fuel you brought is in the bike and you're going to have to do two fuel stops. <laughs> so, and he did, he jumped on his mountain bike with two petrol yeah. cans. Pedal, and this was 25 minutes before the gate was about to open to yeah. you know to go racing. Uh, I remember just seeing him because I was sat in the media center. I remember seeing him cycling up with these yeah. petrol cans. I thought, oh my uh, god, he's what's forgot. He doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, for his first Western, fair yeah. play to him. He he did very very well. I think 27th overall. I think he finished. Yeah. And he uh, had a, a bit of a mechanical. Oh, he had a really good Western. <laughs> yeah. Full stop with uh, Matt and Jamie as well. Yeah. yeah. No, from the team point of view, yeah. No, we had a good weekend. Um, Jeremy was fifth, was he? I'm thinking. Sorry, Jeremy. And Matt was seventh yeah. or eighth. Yeah, something like that, wasn't it? So, yeah, there were the two of them in the top ten. But I think Stuart would have been in the top ten quite easily as well. But, like I say, mm. he had a bit of a, a disaster, let's say, to start <laughs> off with, um, which was still a little bit unsure as to how it even happened. But it did. Yeah. Um, and it, I suppose a little bit of a funny story there is... Stuart Edmonds rode the entire Western Beach race with the sump plug out of Ronnie Mac's CR250, yeah. the Screaming Eagle. <laughs> we actually stole it out of his bike in, in part for me to get to get Stuart going again. So that was not why Ronnie Mac didn't complete it. No, it's not. Just <laughs> it's you know, for, the record, for the record, we actually took it out of his spare bike. But yeah, so there's there's always a tale to be told. That's it. Better make that clear. Yeah, so crystal clear. Accused of anything. Crystal, crystal clear. There were a lot of angry parents after his half a lap. Yeah. 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 Um, so moving back towards um, the, the business side of things, you've obviously got an absolute ton of brands that you carry. Like I mm. didn't even realise until I went on a little wander around in the warehouse. Mm. But is it how long has it taken you to get those sort of brands well, built up? It was funny, really, because... I think, you know, Sophie, you and I spoke about this yeah, uh, yeah. little story uh, only last week or the week before. But um, the business was originally located in Guildford in Surrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had three or four tiny little units dotted around the town, if you will. Mm-hmm. So in one unit they had chains and then in a different unit they might have had brake pads and 
It became a bit of a logistical nightmare, uh, mm. just consolidating orders and, and getting them shipped out. So uh, both Vesti and Diane wanted to move into a bigger bigger building, mm -hmm. uh, but in the south, very, very expensive. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'd say a little bit more affordable in the north of England. So Vesti, when he was still riding uh, at a high level, professional level, uh, used to do a lot of his training in Lancashire and, and in particular Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. So he knew the area very, very well. And um, the building that we're currently in today became available mm -hmm. as a new build. Um, so they decided to relocate. Mm. And when they were transporting the stock from Guildford to, to, to this building, the first truck arrived on the Monday and that was unloaded. And then Vesti said, there's another truck coming tomorrow. Okay, so there's another one arrived on Tuesday. Same on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And then Thursday, Vesti turns up proud as punch, you know, into his new building and mm. walked into the warehouse and sort of scratched his head and had this puzzled look on his face. And I said, what's the problem, Maria? And he said, mm, I think we might have been a bit over optimistic with the size of the building. <laughs> and I said, no, you'll be fine when the rest of the stock comes, it'll be good. And he mm. said, no, Dylan, that is all the stock we have. <laughs> uh, and you could have had a, a, an arena cross in, yeah. inside the building and still, <laughs> You know, still uh, the stock was in there as well, you know, so yeah. it was pretty empty when we first moved in. But going back to the, your question, Irish chains, our helmets, we used to do some other small bits and pieces as well. Mm -hmm. but when when we moved into this building almost 20 years ago, mm -hmm. we only had a handful of brands. Mm -hmm. And then over the last 20 years, um, you know, we've, we've built it into to what it is today, really. Mm -hmm. And also we were chatting a little bit before the podcast um, about the, the the sponsorship little packages you did for a handful of the kids from yeah. the Pico. Like mm. that in itself, I think is great because obviously the kids get to see behind the scenes in the business, but also like you say, they had their own personal shopper. Mm. They were made to be, well, almost factory riders, if you guess, for the day. And they, they were. were. Yeah, they were. <laughs> yes, this came uh, about from the uh, Two Stroke Festival mm -hmm. that uh, we are the title sponsor for. So, happy Go Two Stroke Festival. Mm -hmm. um, we set up a prize last year, which we, well, we handpicked a rider in each uh, yeah, we did, of yeah. the youth class. Mm. And uh, they all won a prize of mm. 1500 yeah, it was a, a fifteen hundred mm -hmm. pounds uh, prize pot, and we invited uh, the, them and their parents up for the day, mm -hmm. and uh, we had a blast. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. a really good day. Uh, so we arranged like a little VIP setting here in this room mm -hmm. for for the kids, and it was all about the kids. The parents got to sit in the cheap seats, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, well, we had a little walk around. They got to run around in the warehouse and have a look in all the boxes and see what's mm. hiding. Because to us, the warehouse looks pretty boring. It's just a room, a huge room of cardboard boxes. Mm. Uh, but for them, they were like, well, kids, kids in a sweet shop. And then they got their own personal shopper. They got to uh, mm -hmm. pick whatever kit or helmet boots they wanted, handlebars. And, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it was a really, really good day. Mm. Oh, that's good. Now, one thing I want to pick up on as well, because obviously you can't see in here, but there is bikes dotted around <laughs> everywhere in this building. Yeah. Now, 
is this a little bit of a, a uh, well, I say hobby kind of thing for mm. you, but restoring sort of classic bikes and bits and bobs? Yeah, it was, um, I guess when I stopped riding mm-hmm. because I didn't want to ride anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth of the matter for me. Yeah. I just woke up one morning and said, it's over it. I'm, I'm done <laughs> yeah. because, you know, I, I don't want to hurt myself anymore. Yeah. Um, but in, in particular, you know, the bikes that I have here, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm from the two stroke area, long live the two stroke, people mm-hmm. two stroke festival, you know, mm-hmm. I think you can get the theme here. <laughs> uh, and I actually just sort of like thought about the bikes that I'd ridden over the years. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, oh, I really wanted that one. Mm-hmm. But I never had one mm-hmm. because again we go back to what we were saying earlier on. My parents were a yeah. little bit anti me doing it, and I had to I, I had to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always wanted that bike, but I never could afford one or I couldn't mm-hmm. find one. Or, mm-hmm. uh, and I found one, didn't I? One it was a nineteen eighty nine uh, CR one two five Honda, mm-hmm. and I wanted to restore it because I'd, the previous year I'd been to Farley Castle for the vets donations. Yeah, and I thought. I really don't want to race anymore, but if I want to do one meeting, it's got to be Farley. Yeah, 100%. It really has to be Farley. So I found the bike. Then I managed to get a ride, mm-hmm. which again, you know, just trying to get an entry into Farley can be mm-hmm. pretty difficult because there's so many people want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I got the ride, I got the bike, went to Farley, qualified inside the top 40. So I'd have been on the front row, really mm-hmm. pleased with that. Uh, seized the bike up. No. The bike went in the van and we got the barbecue and the beers out and that was my Farley weekend. Um, that was two laps into practice. Yeah, it was only two, two, laps, laps, two, two laps into practice and I knew straight away there's something oh, wrong. But no. I thought, first lap I knew there was something wrong. I thought if it keeps going and I can get a lap in yeah. on the second lap yeah. and get a time, then we might be able to fix the bike. Mm. And I could see him from the other end of the track. He says, uh-oh, yeah. the smoke is not looking yeah. very yeah. good. No, yeah, no, it lost all of its water. And, oh, and, no. and it, it just literally seized solid oh, uh, no. at the top of the hill. So we coasted it back down, mm. chucked it, and I knew we weren't going to get it fixed because I think it seized on the bottom ends, you know, the main mm. bearings had seized. Mm. Yeah, put the bike in the van and opened a tin of beer and... <laughs> That was Farley. Enjoyed my, the rest of the race. Yeah, my Farley experience from you know from there, for, for, you know for there. Uh, then brought the bike back, totally restored it. It's mm-hmm. actually sat in our office now. Mm. Uh, and then thought, hmm, I used to have one of those, and I really enjoyed riding it. So <laughs> yeah. I found one, you know, and it just escalated from there. Yeah. So all the bikes that I do have, I've either ridden that model myself in mm-hmm. that era, mm-hmm. uh, or it was one that I always wanted, but. Never perhaps, got around to it. Yeah, perhaps for whatever reason, never got one. So, gosh. Uh, outside of the business and the team, mm-hmm. that's where I de stress. Yeah. Winter projects. Oh, I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, so, moving forward, um, what's next for Apico? Anything exciting going on going into next year? Well, it will all depend on what the current climate is with COVID 19. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we just carry on doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, giving good service to our customers, mm-hmm. um, carry on with the racing side of things and, and see how we get out of out of this year, really. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our main objective has always been to keep progressing, to keep pushing forward, mm-hmm. uh, especially on the Pico side of things, you know, always, always looking to develop something, mm-hmm. bring something new to the market. Um, and, yeah, but difficult times at the moment for everybody. Yeah. Really difficult. Yeah, it definitely is. 
So that will round up episode 18 of the Live Motocross podcast. Um, Dylan and Anna, thank you so much for taking the time out of a hectic day, I'm <laughs> sure, to have a chat this week. Yeah, no, you're welcome. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you here and uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Sophie. No problem. <laughs> Right, so seeing as we are in the building of Hico, um, I've dragged uh, Scott Cannon in, who is, well, in fact, Scott, you can tell everybody what you do at Apico. I'm the marketing manager at Apico. Mm-hmm. So everything through sponsorship, adverts, catalogs, all yeah. kinds of different things. I do events, all sorts. All the good stuff then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get involved with um, the brand? Sort of how long have you been working here? I've been here nine and a half years now. Mm -hmm. So I came from a charity, uh, the British Red Cross initially, Mm -hmm. classically trained in marketing, got a degree. Mm -hmm. Um, Motocross was always a passion of mine when I was younger. Yep. And the team came and found me to do the job. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think, yeah, so that would have been in February 2011. Mm -hmm. And yes, started then and been here ever since that's it then rest is history i guess yeah (laughs) (laughs) so what would you say is your um favorite bit of the job oh there's there's so many good bits really it's Mm. it's a variation Mm -hmm. you know i I, I like to keep busy i can be doing social media Mm -hmm. straight away through to helping out the sales team and 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 catalog proofing like i'm doing today and Mm -hmm. helping do things for dealers um on, online and social and mm-hmm. just various different things, events, planning events. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's really varied the role. It's it's really good. It's really interesting. Yeah. And yeah, just enjoy it. And what is it like dealing with dealing with the riders? Seeing as we've got mm. one sat in here. <laughs> this this particular rider is pretty good. Uh it, yeah, it all it all depends, you know. Um I think the hardest part is knowing everyone's shoe size, clothes size, because they expect you to know it because they never do. <laughs> yeah. um, but other, you know, other than that, no, it's, it's good working with the riders. You know, it helps mm. you develop relationships and, mm-hmm. and, and working to help them help you really promote mm-hmm. the brands and, and get the things done that need to be done to, mm-hmm. to keep us in the, the eyes of the off-road public. Mm. That's it. Um, so... Obviously, this year has been a bit mad, hasn't it, with events and, and bits and bobs getting cancelled and whatnot. Yeah. Um, what have you got to look forward to for the rest of the season slash next year? <clears throat> well, obviously, this season, we've now lost the ACU British Championship. Mm-hmm. That's something that we, we normally attend as a team of Pico Husqvarna mm-hmm. uh, with the riders. And, and I'll do social bits and pieces and little videos yeah. back in the back end so people get to see the more behind the scenes things rather than race results, you know, the, the mm-hmm. more interesting things. Um, yeah, unfortunately that's gone. I'm, I'm not too sure where we are with the Apico Two Stroke Festival this year. That's I think still a possibility, but mm-hmm. we're waiting for Dave Willett to, to give us further information on that. Yep. So it's really the MX Nationals as a, as a team for a, for a Pico Husqvarna that, that we've got mm-hmm. to look forward to now this year. And I've been very impressed with, with how how things were run at, at Hawkstone, from from what I'm told, and I'm going to yeah. be attending all the events for the MX Nationals now for the rest of the year with the team and doing doing what we do. And of course, obviously, um, Dylan made 
the massive donation to the MX Nationals the other day, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, he did. You know, it, we, we, we had a look at it and we're actually waiting for something more to happen um, mm-hmm. on the social side of things. I won't say too much about that now, mm-hmm. but just to help get the message out there about what it's all about. Yeah. I initially just thought it was about PPE, um, but it's not. You know, yeah. it's, it's a lot more in-depth than that. And, and what they're doing, I take my hat off to Paul and Neil Irwin uh, and the rest of, you know, the MX Nationals crew. Mm-hmm. I think they're doing a fantastic job in these tough times. And, you know, I hope that people understand and realise that it's not just all about PPE, it's it's extra security at events, it's extra medical staff at events, it's having the right medical setup because they've got a massive rig that they can, you know, they can pretty much deal mm-hmm. with any kind of eventuality that may happen, you know, touch what it doesn't, but that mm-hmm. could happen at, a, at, a, at, excuse me, at an event. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the MX Nationals and hopefully maybe Western, we're still waiting to hear on exactly what that might be. Yep. Um, so yeah, we're, that's pretty much it that I'm aware of right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, obviously next year we'll, we'll have to see where, where things are there. That's more of the, the boss man who sort of decides upon mm-hmm. them kind of things. But I would hope that, you know, going forward with the team, um, you know, we, we, we have a, a full season again for mm-hmm. 2021. Mm-hmm. Awesome. If you want to listen to the the rest of the episodes of the Live Motocross podcast, make sure you subscribe to our iTunes, Acast and SoundCloud. I think we're back on to now. Uh, But in the meantime, we'll catch up on the next episode.